Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you, and today is Friday, April 9th. It's the calm before the storm. We're three weeks until the NFL Draft. Today we have the best of the week from Jaguars Broadcasting, including offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel explaining the creation of the Jaguars offense. Bucky Brooks explaining what happens in draft rooms around the league three weeks out and some of the best finishes to sporting events we've covered. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network, available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's start back on Monday with Jaguars reporters. And in honor of the Gonzaga overtime buzzer beater in the Final Four last weekend, John Osher, Brian Sexton, and I discuss some of the best sports finishes we've covered. A couple thoughts for the Jaguars. I mean, 96 Morton's miss was a mm-hmm. dramatic ending because, you know, the Jaguars had they had won four in a row and they needed to beat the Falcons, the lowly Falcons, right? I mean, they came in with three wins on the season and, and it was Bobby Bear and they were just dragging their butt up and down the field. But they, they had Ironhead Hayward as the running back and he was pounding the Jaguars that day and they were on the verge of losing. And, and we knew because Kansas City had lost that if the Jaguars would win that game – they were going into the playoffs, you know, and, and from four and seven to the playoffs, I mean, the city was just, it was, it was, it was tender, ready to be lit. And Morton misses and the city went nuts. And of course, everyone remembers that, that, well, if you don't look it up, that, that playoff run in 96. Um, in two, uh, 2010, we had uh, Scoby with the 59 yard field goal to beat the Colts. And that was dramatic. And a little bit uh, later that season, you had David Garrard throwing to Mike Thomas. Hell me! Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> And that Hail was Hail Bleeping Mary. Yeah, Remember yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? That's unbelievable. Mike Sims Walker batted it back. Oh, Hail Mary. Yeah, my mom heard that and she thought I actually said that. I called Golick and Greenberg and gave it to him on that one. That was fun, though. Um, those were great moments in Jaguars history. You know, because it was basketball and I watched it on Saturday night. It took me back to the East Regional Final in 1990. If you remember, Scotty Burrell, who at the time was the first man to ever be drafted in the first round of two major sports because he was drafted for Major League Baseball as well as in the NBA. And Clemson had him on the ropes. I mean, there's one second left, and Clemson had hit a shot. And so Burrell threw a court-length pass. I mean, literally, the length of the court to Tate George, who caught it facing the sideline, turned and just threw up a blind three-point shot Mm. to win. And until this shot on Saturday night, that play, Tate George's three-point shot at the end of that game to beat Clemson in 1990, was, look it up, folks, because of YouTube, you can enjoy it again. It was, was, to me, it was more dramatic because you had to go the length of the court in one freaking second. Wow. They had 3.3 seconds on Saturday night. John, what's yours? Jaguars-wise, for some reason, when I was thinking about this, I guess I assumed Morton's missed so much that I still go back to the Bill Cowher play. Was yeah, block it was goal. week three in 1997. Yeah, there was something about that finish that was somehow more exciting than the Morton miss, maybe because the Morton miss was a miss. Certainly the Morton was the, the most meaningful finish, but the most bizarre finish was seeing the blocked kick and then yeah. Chris Hutt, you know. Uh, so that's in there for me. Um Overall, the best finish I ever covered. Uh, first year covering the University of Florida, this is 1993. Uh, Danny Warfel to Chris Doring with three seconds left beats Kentucky at Kentucky in a game that 
it was a different era then. It was broadcast locally here on SEC television, but now that game would be seen by pretty much everybody. Um, a Gator fan saw it, but it was really the first game of Danny Warfel being Danny Warfel. And they had trailed, I think they had thrown seven interceptions in the game, Florida. And then uh, Warfel hits Doring with like a 35-yard touchdown pass with three seconds left, and it made Mick Huber's career and the whole thing. So <laughs> that's the most memorable finish of any game I've ever covered. But I would go with Chris Hudson for Jaguars. And I'm, I'm going back to the Florida-LSU rivalry. I mentioned it earlier, 07. LSU um, was number one in the country. Florida is number nine. They had lost the week before. And Florida led by 10 three different times in the game, including going into the fourth quarter. LSU was five for five on fourth down conversions in the game. Jacob Hester scored on a two-yard touchdown run with just over a minute left. Place erupts. It's prime time, CBS, huge game. And that was the Tebow cell phone game. They had gotten Tebow's cell phone that week, LSU people. So he had scored. He had a huge game. All that happened in the same game. But this year... The Fog Bowl, LSU at number six, Florida. I called the game on touchdown radio. You couldn't see the right end zone. And LSU kicked a field goal, 57-yarder to take the lead with 30 seconds left. And then McPherson missed one for Florida with no time left from 51. And that was an, and there was a shoe thrown in the game. Marco Wilson threw the shoe on the field goal drive for LSU. They got an unsportsmanlike, kept the drive alive. They ended up winning the game. That's it, probably it. it so apparently you weren't at the kick six game. I was not. I was in my apartment in Riverside. I just wanted to bring it up. In disbelief. That <laughs> is that. There's not going to be one that, that beats that one. It, That's an incredible. Right. It, yeah. uh, it brings to mind something. You're old enough to have watched, and as an enthusiast, you're old enough to know, yeah. the great Jim McKay and the uh, wide world of sports on mm-hmm. Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. The thrill of victory <laughs> and the agony of defeat. That's right. It's the human condition. Yeah, I always remember that. The guy, the guy falling yeah. down the hill, the agony of the Arms and legs everywhere. <laughs> Real the victory and the agony of the flying. Jaguars Reporters runs Monday on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Let's move now to the Huddle Up Podcast Wednesday morning. Bucky Brooks, John Ozier, and I reviewed a shaky start to the week in Los Angeles. Plus the feeling in league draft rooms now with three weeks to go until the NFL draft. Bucky, that there was an earthquake in L.A. this week. Is that right? <laughs> what happened with that? Yes, there was an earthquake this week, and it was a little different. It was a little different, obviously, because like um, I want to say it was like 4.45 in the morning, so you just kind of land there, rumbles a little bit. The house quakes a little bit. The dog wakes up and it's kind of like trying to figure out what's going on. And then you roll back over because there wasn't any ma- major damage done to the house. So you just kind of, you just kind of handle it. John, it feels easy. Now I'm a homeowner. I'm a homeowner. I'm not on Bucky's level of homeowner. I'm sure I don't have the four car garage. Neither have I. But, <laughs> neither, neither do I. But, <laughs> so you literally just roll back. Up. Do you go out? Do you check anything? Is that, I mean, I get worried when there's a rainstorm. So oh, you literally just go back to sleep when that happens, Buck. You're just so yeah, no, it. yeah. It just kind of it, it kind of rocked and swayed a little bit, but nothing fell. Picture didn't fall off the wall, so everything everything was good. My my dog didn't even freak out. Normally, she would go crazy if it was some big or whatever. She just kind of hmm, rolled over. She so just rolled over. It, it sounds like to I me. I live in California, JP. No, that one, that's a new one. I've never been through one. But it sounds like to me that was the seismic shift of the Jaguars making moves in the National Football League here in Absolutely. 2021. That's, that's what it was. I think it was symbolic. It was symbolic of the moves that will be made at the end of the month because 
when the Jaguars put together all the draft picks and all the new players and the franchise quarterback that comes along, big things are coming. I have a leadoff question for the scout. Oh, do it, John. Go for right. it. Take me – well, Bucky, right now, and we commented for the show, there's not a tremendous amount of Jaguars news going on right now. That belies what's really going on inside the building, I'm sure. Bucky, tell people when you were a scout, if you were a GM right now, what's the focus? What are you doing? Is the board set? I assume it's different because there's no in-person visits. But what's going on inside teams right now in terms of uh, prepping for the draft? Well, we got through the last week of Pro Day, so all of the information now is in the system. So you can finalize. I mean, I'm sure they have virtual cards now. But the cards, so all the information, the height, weight, the speed, the arm length, uh, what they measured in some of those drills, you have all that information that is in. Uh, the board should be stacked um, based on all of the grades and that information being in there. You're now waiting to see what happens with the medical stuff. When they have the combine checkup and all that stuff to come in, you may have different little designations on the card for guys who have certain issues. Some of that might be character concerns. Some of it may be medical concerns and those things. So you, you're trying to sort that part out. And right now, we're into probably cluster buster season, meaning that you have a, a, a group of players that are similarly graded, and you're trying to figure out how to rank them. So if we're looking at the cornerbacks, and let's just say at the top of the board, you have Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn and Greg Newsom. Okay, how do we feel about these guys if the grades come in the same? Uh, how do we want to rank them? Do we want Sertan, Horn, Newsom? Do we want uh, Newsom, Sertan, Horn? How, how do we want to put that in order so we can get it right? Because as these names come off the board, we just want to stay true to the board. So if this blinking light is there and it's our pick, we're going to take the guy that we feel good about. So now you're just trying to find, find go through the, the draft board with a fine-tooth comb so you can make the good decisions on, on draft weekend. The Huddle Up podcast runs Wednesday mornings on the Jaguars' official podcast network. We move back now to Tuesday's Jags Drive Time. Our conversation, Trevor Lawrence, and how he could single-handedly change the national perception of the Jaguars organization. Well, Lawrenceville, Trevor Town, whatever you're going to call this place after it. Now, his, his representatives, I'm sure, have trademarked all of the above. They should have. If they haven't, well, maybe we should. I don't know. Either way. Uh, but it's going to change the way this organization, at least initially, is seen, I think, around the NFL, Brian. He hasn't even been drafted yet. That's still three weeks away. And yet the attention is so focused on Trevor Lawrence and the kind of quarterback he is, because if he wasn't great, people wouldn't be interested in him. But what he is as a player and a person, because we're starting to learn a lot more about him off the field, has people's attention. And I thought, you know, we might see some people in the panhandle who looked west to New Orleans turn east to Jacksonville. If this thing wins, because John, I think you'd agree, it's winning that brings people in, but it's personalities like Drew Brees that kept those folks watching the Saints all those years. Um, I can recall going out into the panhandle in 1995 when we were trying to build the Jaguars radio network, and you were competing with the Saints and the Bucks and the Falcons, and of course, the ubiquitous teams like the Cowboys and the Raiders. Um, the Jaguars didn't get any traction out there. I, I, that's going to change. I, regionally speaking, I think Trevor Lawrence, as a Southern kid who played at a Southern university, I, I think this is epic potential written all over it for the Jaguars. Best quarterback in college football for three years, won a national title his freshman year, Heisman runner-up last year, and uh, he has all the accolades and everything off the field to go with it, John. 
Well, it's easy to forget sometimes because we are so deep into it. And most of the people who write me, most of the people who approach us when we're out are hardcore Jags fans because they're engaged all the time. You don't recognize us if you're not a hardcore Jaguars fan. Um, but there are many, many casual football fans out there who they identify with quarterback and a few stars. The Jaguars have not had a star of what this kid could be, maybe ever. Fred, Maurice Jones, Drew, Jimmy. Yeah. There's a picture over here in the studio. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. That of an entire group of fans, I think it's around 2000, 2010. What's notable about the picture, they're all going crazy. They're going nuts. I don't think there's a quarterback jersey in the entire frame. I see a bunch of 32s. Right. I see a 93 of all things. A point see, being, yeah, how about that? I'm not sure what era this is. <laughs> what you want are 75% 16 jerseys or whatever number that he's going to wear. That's where you get huge swaths of fans following you and that's what this kid can bring Quick. he can change this photo jp that, this one right here that's, that's what right. matters that's to right me. when you walk around you know obviously you walk around new england and everybody's wearing number 12 jersey t that's, brady that's right. how that works uh, when the quarterback is the star jags drive time airs live tuesday morning at 10 o'clock on jaguars.com and the jags social media channels when we return the first draft that sticks in your mind Plus, offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel explains the creation of the Jaguars offense. All that after this. Jaguars fans, are you excited about draft day? Get in on the action. Enter the TIAA Bank Meet the Pick sweepstakes today for your chance to win a special meet and greet experience with the Jaguars draft pick. Learn more at TIAABank.com slash meet the pick. No purchase required to enter or win and will not increase your chances of winning. Open legal residence of 50 United States and D.C. 18 years and older. Entry period from March 29, 2021 through April 29, 2021. To enter in for official rules, prize description, odds of winning, and other details, visit TIAABank.com slash meet the pick. Sponsor and administrator, TIAA Bank, a division of TIAA, FSP. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. April 9th is the renewal deadline for current season ticket holders. That's the day this podcast ran. Very soon, those who place deposits for new season tickets will start the process of selecting seats. So if you haven't renewed by the time you've heard this, you are past due. Look for your renewal link in your email, visit jaguars.com, or call 904-633-2000. Also, check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network. You're likely listening to it right now. I get it. It's a free subscription on Apple iTunes or Spotify. This program, of course, archived. Jaguars Reporters Monday, the Huddle Up Podcast Wednesday, the Ozone Podcast, and give us that five-star rating. Let's move to Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon. Jeff Lagerman and I discuss the growth of the NFL draft over the years and what one stands out to us. What's the first draft that you remember? That's a great question. Because I think everybody has, yeah. has an experience um, of remembering their first drafts. And I, I mean, obviously, I had a, an experience with the draft as a college player. <laughs> we, we've, Wasn't we've, so good. We hear it most every week, yes, <laughs> uh, during the season. Um, that's a good one because it was always televised, but it wasn't a big grand It wasn't spectacle, a big deal for you know, a long time. Until – Right around 2000, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of when it became this phenomenon at night with the red carpet and the whole thing. Sure. Probably the year the year um, Aaron Rodgers slid is okay. the one that kind of stands yeah, out in my that's mind. That's the one a lot of people remember. And, and just seeing him in the green room, like like he just 
ate a peach pit, you know. And, and then, he did a he did I thought he did a marvelous job of handling it. Right. But that's uh that's a tough slide, you know. That was one that's I, the the ones before that, I was too young for the the what, the, the big quarterback draft in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so No, it, it's, I mean it's because it's an interesting thing because I think most people, I mean when you think back on what's the first draft that you remember, most people are, would be like you and yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean most of the stuff has been kind of recent. Because it is. I mean, it's a it's a recent pheno- phenomenon. That's right. And uh, to where it's become must watch primetime television nowadays. It's funny, like the different sports approach to their drafts, right? Baseball's trying to do something similar to this. They can't though. But they, it's, it's because just totally the, the, different. Well, the problem with baseball is that the prospects that they're drafting aren't known to people. Right, and their college kid they're still playing at that time. So well, there's college you know, guys playing around. in football too. But my point is, is college right. football people know college football yeah. players that are really good. Right. People know who Trevor Lawrence is. Right. Correct. Okay, and they know very well who Trevor Lawrence is. They may not know the pitcher from Stanford who goes first overall (laughs) that throws 105. (laughs) And, by the way, there's 50 rounds of the baseball draft. Like, you know, half the guys aren't going to come anyway, even if they get drafted. Basketball is kind of a – That's become a big deal. That's a good good watch. Because they've got the lottery to start I'm I'm watching the superstar at Duke, you know, or North Carolina or Gonzaga nowadays or Baylor nowadays. I mean, it's – you know, I mean, so you you have an idea who these people are, and yeah. so there's got to be some familiarity with it to really kind of follow it. And that's the I think the beauty of the NFL draft is they've done an amazing job, and obviously college football is is, is big. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio airs Thursdays at 4 p.m. on 1010XL AM Radio in Jacksonville and Jaguars social media channels. Let's wrap this week with the Ozone Podcast. Senior writer John Osier sat down with Jaguars offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel to discuss the initial impressions of the coaching staff and the creation of the new Jaguars offense. You hadn't really met Urban before this. This is sort of your first uh, go-around impressions. How is that uh, relationship, and what is it like sort of installing that game plan and meshing with him, if you will? Not game plan, but the offense. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been great. Uh, so for you know, first of all, as you know, it's I mean, it's a little bit different in this business to to not have any connections at all, um, you know, somewhere along the way, and and uh, we had we had not. So I think you know, just um, you know, getting the interview with them, having that opportunity, and um, and then being able to mesh the way that we did, I thought that was exciting. Um, you know, as as far as you know, preparing this stuff with him, it's it's been great. You know, we I mean, there's a lot of give and take. Uh, we got a lot of great minds here. You know, George Warhop is is here still with the, you know with the offensive line. We brought Brian Schottenheimer in, uh, myself, and uh, you know, and as well as other guys. But um, the communication between Coach Urban, um, the offensive staff, you know, kind of have feelings of what he likes, what he wants to do, where he's at. Um, but then, you know, being able to blend, I guess, where where Brian's been, where I've been, um, and George has been. I think just being able to blend all that together to be able to come up with the best plan. Um, you know, and the plan starts one way. And then once you start getting the players and start, you know, putting those players in and that play, then, then that plan can morph, you know, and we're going to make sure that whoever our guys are that we're getting, that we'll put them in the best play, you know, positions to be successful. But right now, you know, what, what is our core? What's our base? Where are we going to start one day one when they walk in here? And then the more we get to know them, then the more it will, it will start to move around. Is this a case where you put the playbook in page by page? I mean, is it that detailed or uh, 
without giving away too much, how does that process work once you get sort of granular with it? Yeah, we start on page one, um, no question. And, you know, start with, you know, where, how, how do we huddle? You know, where are the guys standing in the huddle? And then we, we read through each, each and every page just to make sure, you know, I, I believe that it's important for all of us to be speaking the same language, uh, that, that it's not one guy says it this way, one guy says it this way. Uh, I think it's, it's powerful when, you know, when your whole staff is, is aligned and, and has the ability to speak it exactly the same way. So if they ask me, if they ask the quarterback coach, if they ask the receiver coach, everybody says it the exact same way. And so we start on page one and, you know, we go through the general information section of, you know, the cadence, the huddle, those kind of things. Then we start getting into like, okay, what are we calling these things when, you know, when we line up in this formation, what's the best way to communicate it? Is that the simplest? All those questions that we go on, then, you know, how do we call the defenses? Because everybody's come from a little bit different areas. And, you know, at some point, you know, we got to, we got to pick a language for the Jaguars and that's what we've been sitting in there doing. And, uh, you know, there's some familiarity uh, because, you know, Brian Schottenheimer took over for me in uh, in Seattle, which is interesting, you know, so he kind of went in mm-hmm. and had the verbiage that I had when I went in when I was there. And then, you know, he did his deal and changed some of it. But there's enough where him and Sanjay, receiver coach and myself were, you know, we, we say a couple words like, yep, that, let's do that. And uh, so it's been great. It's not that clear cut. You're sort of inventing some new verbiage as you go, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know what, um, what? What's the what's the best and what's going to be the simplest for the quarterback? I mean, that's gotcha. you know, hey, I've called it this. This guy's called it that. You know, Coach Urban's called it this. Um, it's like, okay, you know, Coach Urban, let's do let's do it that way. I, you know, I kind of like that idea. Or no, I've called it this way. This is going to how it's going to come out. So I'm I'm going to stick with that one. Uh, oh, that shortens that. Yeah, let's let's do that. It got it down to one word rather than three words. Let's shorten that and use this. So um, there's a lot of give and take there. Check out the full Ozone podcast on the official Jaguars podcast network. That will do it this week. Subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Leave a comment and a five-star rating and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars broadcast week in review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.